Hey everybody, thanks for downloading this episode Thanks for listening and for subscribing We have had our first major technical malfunction There was an issue with the audio on the second half of this recording So unfortunately, what we have right now is a really good first half of a conversation And we do apologize for that We will be getting back with John Drake as soon as possible To get the rest of it out to you guys So... We hope you enjoy this episode and know that the full discussion will be coming out momentarily. So, again, thanks for listening and for subscribing, and we will talk to you guys soon. Enjoy. What is your major malfunction, numbnuts? Nobody wants to see my ugly mug anyway. I don't know. If you go to that Nerf Herder Council webpage, you get a nice shot of it. You do. You and, really do. <laughs> and then you get to play the Nerf Herder Council uh, drinking game. Guess the which one is John Drake. <laughs> oh, right. Well, I'm the fat one, so that's, you know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too, man. Me yeah. too. That's, that's my wife's rack, and then the skinny one is my brother, and <laughs> it's, I'm the big one. So Beautiful. Well, if you're ever in St. Louis, you have to stop at my house. I have a theater room, and it's nothing but Star Wars. I will come out to uh, St. Louis just to see that. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I, I have, uh, I did, I have all the, uh, all right, we're doing a live recording. Star Wars fatheads. Yeah. Oh, do you really got all the fathead ones? Yeah. So Those yeah. Badass. Yeah. So like the Darth Vader is actually like David Prowse size. It's six, four and a half. <laughs> oh my God. I actually me- I had to measure it to make sure it actually would fit where I wanted to put it on the wall. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm a total Star Wars nerd. That's awesome, man. So, so which one of you guys is Dan? Uh, that's me. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, and who, el- who else we got now? Joe. So Joe, Joe's down in front, but you can't see me. All right. Yeah, and I'm nice. Jeff. I'm the one with the nerdy star Wars guy that wants to f- Dan, Joe and Jeff. Okay. Nerf heard right. this. Yeah. Nerf heard this motherfucker. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. Yeah, dude. Uh, we're so like, we're, we're a new podcast. We've been trying to just like weasel our way into like everybody's <laughs> collective unconscious. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, uh, because we've been we've been doing this since uh, I guess January, and uh, we were just such big fans of all the other podcasts that were going on. But like, dude, one of the biggest things that bothered me about like a lot of the rock and metal podcasts is that like everybody is just so classic rock, very much so. And yeah. like and like I don't have a problem with that necessarily, but like we when we when we went to the Rock and Pod Expo, we were like, damn, I think we're the only people that don't listen to Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> and I, don't like, nice. I, don't, I don't hate kiss or have any animosity uh the good thing the good thing for you is that we didn't ask you to come on our podcast just so we could talk shit about your favorite band uh because oh, that's, okay. <laughs> that's what we did that's definitely what we did to Toomey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he said he's like those guys were totally bagging pantera i'm like wow they sandbagged you huh yeah <laughs> yeah like- that was for that, for whenever, because we did that in like a multiple part episode for Pantera. Yeah, we recorded with <laughs> right. like a whole bunch of different people for that. Yeah, I I played nice uh, whenever Toomey was on, and it was just Dan. But as it as it progressed, I I turned to the dark side and was shitting on Pantera. More and more vile he became. <laughs> yeah, it's just mainly because yeah, right? I, I can't stand uh, Phil. Phil's just a douche. <laughs> Outside of that, I love Hint. Dan sitting in the background going, good, good, yeah, right. good. <laughs> Let the hate flow through you. <laughs> well, it's so funny because uh, we, that episode was so tongue-in-cheek. Like, we we wanted it to be funny. We wanted it to be ridiculous. And uh, it, I felt so bad, too, because, like, whenever we did that segment with Toomey, and I said, like, 
Oh, Dimebag's pretty good, but he's not, you know, really very original or whatever. He got <laughs> he got so mad. You said he was <laughs> adequate. Yeah, I said he was a, a yeah a confident guitar player. And yeah, he that's got so was, mad. Right. And then like I listened to the next episode of his podcast after that. And I was like, oh my god, we pissed off to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, he he has he has informed me that he has thin skin, so. It's like I, I, I guess so. So does Phil Anselmo. Yeah, we hit him. We hit him. We hit him where it hurt the most. I feel really bad about that. But hey, but hey, we like Dream Theater. So yay! It works for me, man. Right. I, I, I've taken plenty of beating over Dream Theater anyway. So if you if you didn't like them, you, you know it's nothing new for me. I have to defend them all the time. Well, I like them. I don't like everything the they've they done. Do. Yeah, but it's definitely good outweighs the bad kind of thing. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, and I honestly, the stuff that I've kind of been like, eh, on a few things has only been recently, like the early stuff. <clears throat> really up until last, yeah. Rock solid. Yeah. Yeah. Up, up until the last couple of albums, you know, All right, really well, well, only... I think we're going to get along just fine in this, uh, this discography <laughs> discussion, because I think there's some, uh, opinions that are going to match up then. Are we ready yes. to get started then? I think we sure. are. Okay. Then let me, uh, yeah, Joe's in charge. Let so, me yeah. roll the freaking theme song here. So, so, do you, so, do you guys record this live then? We try to. Yeah, before yeah we we're, we're not going live to hard drive. You know, like if there's shit that people say that we need to cut out, which is mainly Joe having to uh, censor me. Right. <laughs> we we do that. That's exactly how we do it. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so what do you what, what what do you guys do with the swear? No swearing, minimal oh, swearing. I, I can oh my swear god, dude! Not stop. Fucking swearing. Just all don't talk about day. like you know. Something I like said, that. I this said, is the part where Jeff yeah. gets censored. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. I said <laughs> once, and I got in, I got in trouble. Yeah, so you, you, you just got in trouble again. <laughs> Look at that! Oh man, drives you guys nuts, huh? Hell yeah! yeah. Can't do that one. <laughs> I don't even have a sister. I don't even know why it came up. Oh, oh wow! Everybody Shit. is gonna know the beat by the end of this. <laughs> Dude, no structure. So I mean, literally, just sit back and relax. And if you like to sit back and relax while Jeff gets censored, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is Jeff. Ladies and gentlemen, John Drake from the Nerf Herder Council and Talk to Me Podcast. Do I get to say both? Of course you do. It's good promotion. Lucky awesome. for you, I just did. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thanks for asking me out, guys. I'm a huge Dream Theater honk, so this will be a blast. Dream Sweet. Theater? Who's that? <laughs> yeah, it's just just some band. Oh, okay. Just some band. Some shitty local band. I don't know. Yeah, they they had some weird purple bearded guy playing drums for him. I don't know. That's Mike Portnoy's uh, side project, right? Oh yeah. Oh, oh. oh you mean the guy from Avenged Sevenfold? Yeah, he was great. Oh, he just oh did my that God. one. <laughs> if we could not mention that band anymore, that'd be great. Jesus Christ! Wow. Okay. <laughs> Never forget. Sadly, one day we're gonna end up covering. You know. <laughs> yeah, we will. Well, we talk about well, everybody. <laughs> Well, that's good. I just that that'll be an episode. If you need a co-host, don't call me. All right. <laughs> we Noted. Gotta, we gotta call Toomey back for that one, right? Exactly. That that that'll be the Josh Toomey redux. I'm calling yeah. Josh Toomey for Thirty Six Crazy Fists. He seems to have as big of a heart on for them as I do. <laughs> he loves them, man. He's you know he he's he's mined a lot of stuff out of them lately on our show. So I just love his voice, man. I love I love Brock's voice, man. I thought just, you were gonna talk about Josh Toomey again. Well, I do I do like Toomey, but yeah, <laughs> I mean you know. I like Josh. I or Josh. Sorry. Oh, damn. <laughs> I like Brock. <laughs> I like Brock from Thirty Six Crazy Fist Boys a lot. He does. Have, he does have a pretty cool voice. They're not he like. Does. A, 
I never really got into that band, but I always thought the singer's voice was pretty cool. So, well, I think it's because they started off as kind of like this, like what, like metalcore, you know, um, emo metal kind of kind of thing. But I don't, I don't yeah. care. I, I I like that stuff. So I, it's it's my generation. So. Yeah, I, I just I was never really into that. It's close to my generation. I mean, I'm only 41 years old, but, you know, and I, I kind of came up, you know, in the same scene that uh, Toomey did. Hey, I didn't I'm do not the, the oldest region. one on the on the podcast for a change. This is weird. <laughs> yeah, Jeff's old as shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm older than Toomey, so this is great. Well, there you go. See? All right. <laughs> I, I, you're, you're the uh, the second oldest person we've had on the podcast. I'm the elder statesman, man. Yep. I what think. about what about Scott from Zayo? How old was he? Oh, you know what? Yeah, he's probably older. Yeah. So so you're the third. So Scott and then, and then Travis was. He's in yeah, his Travis. Tra- I don't know how old Travis is, but oh, well. <laughs> and I think then he's John 44. Drake. Yeah. 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 And now we got John Drake. So we've got right. we've got a whole council, a nerf herder <laughs> council. Oh, yeah, oh. we're gonna talk about that later, right? I hope yeah, right? so, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hoping eventually to... this devolves into Star Wars. But yeah, yeah I totally. That's that's the angle I'm taking. <laughs> well, be, before this does break down into Star Wars and Dream Theater simultaneously, if that's even possible, I'm going to go ahead and say thank you to everyone for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Google Play. We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We are on TuneIn Radio. So if you have an Amazon Echo product, you can say to it, Alexa, play the latest episode of Discography Discussion, and she will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out and it lets us know you're listening. And Dan is going to tell you all about five-star reviews. Hey, we love five-star reviews, and we want to thank everybody that has given us five-star reviews because now like our reviews actually show up on iTunes, <laughs> which is pretty cool. And uh, yeah, so I mean, if you if you like our podcast or you don't like it, just give us a review, whatever you think we deserve. Um, it really helps us out as far as uh, searchability. Yeah, really one of the best things you can do for a podcast that you enjoy is to give them a good review on iTunes. That's all I got to say about that. And now John Drake is going to tell you all about the Nerf Herder Council. <laughs> We're the preeminent Star Wars podcast. <laughs> no, uh, I do have a Star Wars show that I host called the Nerf Herder Council. And um, you can find us at nerfherdercouncil.com. Spreaker and iTunes are our main platforms. We're also on Stitcher and Google Play. Uh, all of our episodes are available on YouTube if you like doing YouTube. Uh, it's a cool show, man. It's a little bit different than your standard Star Wars podcast. I mean, there's a whole ton of Star Wars podcasts out there if you're familiar with it. But a lot of it is, you know, here's the news and pe- uh, keeping people up to date on what's going on and, you know, director changes and, you know, things like that. But we're more like if you were hanging out at the bar with your friends and you just started, you know, bullshitting about Star Wars and like, well, you know, what's better, Empire or New Hope? Like, that's that's kind of what we do. So it's a little more free form. It's discussion based. And well, that answer is easy. The answer is Empire. Yeah. The answer is Empire. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, but but you'd be surprised how many people uh, how many people actually would disagree with that. It was kind of surprising. Yeah, it's, it's wrong. people. Those yeah. are the people yeah. that are yeah. nostalgic and not actually looking at the facts. Right. <laughs> as long as they <laughs> don't say Clone Wars, I'm happy. You don't, you're not a fan of the Clone Wars cartoon, huh? Oh, dude, I love the uh, Clone oh, Wars I cartoon. I think that's the best prequel I was talking about episode thing two, but all right. <laughs> yeah, Attack of the Clones, you mean? <laughs> all right, we can talk about that later. Uh, yeah, we're yeah, going to yeah, talk, yeah. talk about Dream Theater. Oh, yeah. And, uh, John, yeah. uh, you, you, were, you were neglected to mention the other podcast you're on. 
Ah, yes, I am uh, the the new co-host of Talk To Me. And I, I think the only reason Josh asked me to be on was because uh, he wanted to deflect the haters. So I, I collect all the hate mail and stuff like that for him. It's beautiful, and, man. Yeah, I noticed that. It's, it's, it's been... Uh, it's been mining gold uh, looking at the uh, Facebook comments. It's hilarious sometimes, uh, the, the shit that people say. I, I, I think they're... Uh, <laughs> I think it's uh, manufactured hate. Yeah, for you're, sure. You're too nice of a guy for that it's, to be I the don't, case. I don't like things yeah. that are different, those kind of people. Well, it, it's fine with me. I've, I've had so many people... You know, because really, Toomey found me when I was doing stuff with Aiken and Neely on the Classic Metal Show, and I get crapped on a lot there. But as I've said, you know, on the air and stuff, I, I get a, a lot of messages from fans of the Classic Metal Show who just destroy me, you know, in the chat room or on, on calls. Or But then they message me privately and say, thanks for being a cool sport, man. It's fun. You know, we're just goofing around. So, And like I've always said, if you're going to put something out for public consumption, not everybody's going to like it. So go ahead and crap on me. I don't care. <laughs> it's like that's that's par for the course. So what the hell? Absolutely the right frame of mind to have. There's way too many... Uh sensitive flowers out there they, they get their panties in a twist just because uh you're talking a little bit of shit that goes oh, against shit. what they think i thought you were gonna say snowflakes yeah. <laughs> oh, oh no that, that's like wow. a, that's like a trigger word now you can't say that <laughs> so, so you're saying i need to beep that <laughs> well i guess so i guess i guess where we're coming from is we're like man there's a lot of hate you know what um i think it's awesome that Toomey has a co-host and um you know, I mean, I, I got to admit, the first time, the first episode I heard was the Chester Bennington thing, and um, I was like, "Yeah, who the fuck is this guy?" But like, yeah. <laughs> but like I told Toomey, I was like, you know what though, I like that I'm not just hearing just him every week, you know, and and to have to have a differing opinion and to have actual conversation, and I was like, oh my god, I can't believe how much hate he's getting on here. <laughs> let's bring the it's, hate. Let's bring the hate to our show. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. I, th I honestly, a lot of it, of all things, what I catch the most grief for is my laugh. And it's it's funny because on the classic metal show, the episodes I've done, you can really hear it, and it's it's just ridiculous. But it, it hasn't happened on Toomey's show, and people are like that guy's laugh is annoying. I'm like, I've barely laughed at it. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, yeah, Toomey's show is not funny at all. So uh, you know. <laughs> there's no humor. <laughs> well, I'm I'm fucked because I laugh all the time on this show. You know, we talked we talked about gang rape this week, and there's a lot of humor to be mined there, dude. That so. oh my god, dude! Like I was uh, I was listening to that episode, so I I uh, I quit using nicotine this week, and uh, and you wanted to talk about Dream Theater I was with driving John around. Drake. I was driving around. Well, I was driving around, That's so awesome. it's, I'm I'm at one week of no nicotine this week, and uh, to, as of today, and uh, somebody get this man I, a button. Uh, I don't want a yeah. button, but like I was like so strung he out. <laughs> yeah, cut that joke. Um, yeah. So no, but I was so strung out because I was having cravings or whatever. And like, honest to God, your guys's your guys's conversation about uh, decapitated and uh, and the bus and all that stuff. Like I was like, oh my god. I can get through this. <laughs> like it was, uh, it was so funny. And I mean, it's not like funny. It's obviously horrible, but uh, <laughs> it was it, it definitely was... something that I've been contemplating a lot of, a lot about. So it was really cool to hear you guys's, uh, you know, mindset on you know going into that. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, it was it was weird because halfway into the discussion, I realized I'm like, this is really 
starting to sound like we're kind of defending the band. Right. Like we're a couple right. misogynist pieces of shit. So I, so I did the disclaimer. Like we're we're not endorsing this. Just so you know, it's just having been on tour buses when somebody goes, yeah, I got gang raped in a tour bus bathroom. It's like nobody gets gang raped in a tour bus bathroom. Yeah, there's no literally no room. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. it's the size of a, lo- a high school locker. You know, like yeah, it's it's so tiny. But yeah, you got to back I, into it just to take a shit. Oh, dude. Yeah, it's crazy. And so as soon as she said that, I was like, "Mm, well, are you sure it wasn't like out in the main area, like the kitchen or something? If this happened, like, well, and like, honestly, was like decapitated have like a big tour bus. I mean, it's not like they're not like this great band or whatever, but like, I mean, they're, That's the other they're thing decapitated from Poland. They're not like Megadeth, you know, like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they, they just have like an 86 Dodge Caravan. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> shit. I remember going to shows and taking two cars like, I mean, come on. <laughs> exactly. <you know? laughs> exactly. Yeah. I got I got to admit, man, I said, you know, we we talked about gang rape on the show and then you started talking about, yeah, I've been off nicotine for a week and I'm like. How, how how is how is this going to come together? Is he is he is he trying to say that he was so like strung out for nicotine that he was considering gang rape? Like, I was not. <laughs> I was oh not. Oh my god, that's awesome. Although weirdly enough, I did listen to a decapitated record this week, which was weird because I was supposed to be listening to Dream Theater all week. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but see previous statement about no nicotine. Right. Yeah. yeah. So my my yeah, exactly. decisions have been very very strange the past uh, the past week. But uh, no, it was just one of those things where. It's like I remember like I was like I'm just gonna listen to this podcast and I'm not gonna think about me. You know? Yeah. And that that was that was all I was gonna Dude, we suck up to Toomey a lot. We we were the podcast that was like we introduced Toomey as the legendary Joshua Toomey. <laughs> <laughs> he probably loved it, man. Because oh, compared to us who was getting like we were getting like two or three downloads per episode. <laughs> No, <laughs> you know, we're getting more than we that. We were getting more than that, but whatever. Like he th- he was like this huge poli- prolific you had talked to everybody, you know, podcaster, so we got really excited. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was I was I was shocked when he asked me to when he asked me to co-host. I was like, "Who the hell am I?" Like my show gets maybe 100, you know, downloads. You know, a week talking about Star Wars. Right, you're breaking open you, champagne bottles if you get a hundred downloads. I right? know, yeah, yeah, seriously. And it's like, you know, I'm I'm busy ripping on David Prowse for having a lazy eye, and then you want me on your show? Like, you're actually established in doing something quality, like, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, it was it was kind of surprising to me too, but. Joe's giving me this look like we need to fucking talk about Dream Theater. Yeah, so. I think we should. <laughs> I think we need to get on to. Uh, when Dream and Day Unite. I'm going to say this. I don't know if we were on track to begin with or if we've been off track from the beginning, but John Drake, tell me about Dream Theater. Well, Dream Theater is uh, one of my two all-time favorite bands. It's Van Halen and Dream Theater. Um, I actually... My introduction to Dream Theater, I'll make it real quick, but it's actually kind of a funny story. Um, when I was a kid... I. I'm kind of musically narrow-minded and I was driving around when I was 16 years old in 1992 and my buddy was playing the images and words tape but I didn't hear her pull me under and I was like what is this crap like these guys need to pick a style this is awful and then a few weeks later I saw the um, video for pull me under on MTV I'm like this song is awesome but I couldn't remember the name of the band so I kept going to the library to like rent the tape and stuff and I kept getting kicks and trickster and all this garbage so it went off my radar I couldn't find them like this isn't that so fuck fast trickster. forward oh dude yeah not good <laughs> and trust me you know how oh, shitty know. it was to have to listen to kicks and trickster <laughs> like no oh my trust God. me trust me I know <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, so like fast forward, um, it was I, th- I think like four four years later, uh, my buddy, my best friend, same guy was in he was in college. I went to visit him, and he had this Dream Theater CD. It looked pretty cool, and I and I completely forgot about the whole oh these guys suck thing. And I looked at the back track listing. And it said Pull Me Under. I'm like, oh my god, that's that song I've been looking for forever. And I put it in, and I listen to the whole scene. I'm like, this is great. He just starts laughing. He's like, that's that band you were ripping on like crazy. <laughs> and it was. But ever since then, man, I've been a huge fan. And I first saw him in '99 uh, on the uh, uh, the Metropolis tour, and I literally have not missed a single tour since. And usually, I, I see him a couple times. And I'm in their documentary on Score. I'm in their book. Uh, I'm just like super nerd crazy fan for Dream Theater. So man, I would have loved to seen the seen him on the Metropolis tour. That's that's probably my favorite album. Really, it was, it was awesome. It was it was. It's funny because it's like it, it was the first time I saw him, but it also marks the worst opening band I've ever seen in my life. And it was, I mean, it is this band called the Star People, which I just I can't even describe how awful they were. So funny story about a op- opening band. <laughs> I take Dan to Chicago for the Progressive Nation tour. Yeah. No, we, number one, we got to see three, which was awesome. Between the yes. Barry and me, first time we got to see them alive. Then Opeth comes on stage, <laughs> and they blew Dream Theater out of the water. And I hate it's saying awesome. that at the start of the show, but it happened. No kidding. Yeah. It was. It went from Opeth being their, you know, that was was that Deliverance and Damnation, Dan, or was that? Uh, well, let's just say I was going through a huge death metal phase <laughs> <laughs> during this. So of course I was there to see Opeth. And then Dream Theater came out and they soloed for 45 minutes, but we'll get into that. They later. were very <laughs> masturbatory at that time. <laughs> yeah, that's like I, I, it's like when I saw them on the um, Six Degrees tour. They were doing one of their, you know, they jam, you know, in spots like pretty big. And John Petrucci and John Mayung actually were doing like a dual, you know, solo like you know, doubling each other. But while they were doing it, they were juggling a soccer ball between them. So they're on, they're on one leg doing these runs and and chucking a soccer ball back and forth between each other with their other foot. I'm like, really? Like, we already know you're better than all of us. Just, just stop it already. What the hell? (laughs) Yeah. Petrucci is way talented. I don't think he gets enough, enough credit for how good he is. I mean, everybody, when you talk about dream theater and you talk about, Amazing musicians. Everybody goes straight to Portnoy. That's and because like, he wants it that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Well, I, th- I think the thing with 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 Petrucci is that because Dream Theater are are labeled as you know progressive metal, and to people that aren't really into them, they just think that all they do is noodle. They they just they just think that all he does is play a million notes, and that's all there is to him, which is completely not the case. So I, I think he gets unfairly stigmatized based on the things that people don't know about the Dream Theater catalog. Yeah, which which we'll there's a lot tonight. of. Yeah. I think we should I think we should jump right in. Alright. Works so, for me. Nineteen eighty nine where dreams and day unite. Yes. Who wants to recap Majesty or can we just go straight into it? Well, let's just say this. If you don't already have this record, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh this is one of the really hard records to find. Do any of you guys have the remastered version that was out for like a minute? No. <laughs> I, I've been looking for that forever. And it's you can't even find it on eBay anymore. It was limited oh, too, wasn't it? Wasn't it limited to like a thousand copies or something? Yeah, there was not a lot of them. There was not really? much. I yeah, know, I, how about this? I know somebody who has it, but that's as close nope. as I get. <laughs> right? And there's, there's no way in I, hell that he'd sell it. 
Oh, well, at this point, hell no. But if he wants to, just let one of us know because we'll, you know, especially me, I'm a completist. But really, the only way to get it anymore is that is the Yitzy Jam bootleg from Los Angeles in 2004. Yeah, yeah, it's um, and it's it sucks too because like this was this was an example of a band that got fucked over by their label, essentially. Mechanic, um, yeah. You know they 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 had put this record out, and honestly, it should have been huge. But they, I think they only like distributed it like in their local scene, more or less. Like yeah, it wasn't, it didn't really. It didn't really go worldwide or anything, and so the band wasn't really able to like really. Um, I mean, at that time, I mean they're you know they're not traveling out of state. They're brand new, no. and they've just come up with this collection of songs, and it's sad because like this was really, I mean, to me, almost a better introduction to the band than like images and words. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I mean, they they definitely they didn't get to tour on it. They played, I think, a sum total of like six shows, and they were all yeah. around their new, you know, where they were living in New York. Yeah, and like nothing and, at all. Yeah, yeah. But the only thing they got out of it was press reviews because the label at least sent it out, to, you know, to some magazines, and it was pretty universally regarded as a pretty good record, you know. So it was a real shame that Mechanic just didn't put anything behind it. So, and Charlie yeah. Dominici, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Yes, Charlie Dominici. Do you guys like him or? Yeah, I. I mean, honestly, I think. Uh, I think it would be really interesting to hear later Dream Theater stuff with him on it. Yeah, yeah. Just, 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 just as kind of like a testing the waters. I mean, obviously, I don't have a problem with what came after, but like. It's, yeah, I guess uh, I'm gonna go ahead and, and state state it and be controversial right off the get go. Wow, way to be a dick, Jeff. Yep. James <laughs> James is my least favorite part of the band. You're not alone. Yeah, I was gonna say that's not really controversial. He, unfortunately. He, well no, I I didn't yeah, he, he just he just doesn't he just doesn't do it for me. You guys suck. <laughs> well, I listen to this record. He does for the, it for this guy. I, I bring this record home because it has the Itsei Jam on it, and I'm trying to, you know, get acquainted with past Dream Theater. Uh, Images and Words was the first record I got my hands on, and of course, once you see the Itsei Jam live, and you're a guitar player, you have to go home and learn it. Well, it's on the other record, so I got to go find it. Yep. And I'm like, wow, Dream Theater was just power metal. Like, we're not even progressive here. This is just straight good orchestration, good musicians. This is power metal. Yeah. I disagree. I mean, I think this is this is more straightforward for sure. But I think there's still elements of progressive yeah, in I'm, this. I'm going to side with Dan like, on this I'm not going to well. lie. Like, I hate that term. I hate per- the term progressive music because most of the time it just means, like, we were aimless and we had no direction as a band. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, but in the case of Dream Theater, I thought this, I thought this was better than just your standard power metal. I, I think what's and the craziest thing to me, I played in a band when I was 18, 19 years old. These guys, it's like to write that type of music with that level of sophistication and ability at such a young age is just it, it always stands out to me as you know, it's it's it, for people who don't like this record, I always kind of look at it as well, it's a bunch of 18 year old kids. This is unbelievable for people of that age to be writing stuff like this. So it, I always, it always has a little bit of a caveat to me that they were young, but it's still excellent. I mean, 
you know, stuff, you know, Fortune and Lies. And I actually really like Status Seeker, even though it's the last song they did and it's all commercial and stuff. I think it's got a really cool hook and everything. And oh, I definitely agree. I mean, I think, and it's weird, I, I was actually telling John this earlier this week, or maybe it was a couple weeks ago, I can't remember, but that I have a, uh, I have a copy of this record, but it's on cassette. And I'm 90% sure it's a bootleg. <laughs> like, it's uh, it just says Dream Theater on the front. It's like a plane. Like, it's like there's, like, clouds in the background, and it says Dream Theater. And then it's, like, a white cassette tape. <laughs> and it's got gold lettering. <laughs> yeah, wow. sounds like a bootleg. Yeah, it's like, but, I mean, you know. I, I don't mean, think that matches up. It actually sounds pretty good, though. Like, I mean, for a bootleg, it's badass, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, I had no issue with it, but yeah, it was. Uh, but no, maybe I thought we need this to get was, you some hearing aids. I thought this was a really good introduction to the band. To be honest, you got the Dream Theater experience here. Yeah, you got the gist of it right off the get go. Like a, a lot of a lot of bands, it's kind of they meander before they kind of figure out who they are. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you could tell that they they had a a, a thought and they kind of kind of followed it through through the, the entire discography. I mean, sure, I mean it, it moved a little bit, but. They're straight up, you know, I guess, quote unquote, progressive metal slash rock with, uh, with a little bit of power behind it. I mean, it's it's they've always kind of had a, a similar sound. You know, they you when when Dream Theater is on, you know, it's Dream Theater. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. A, a, and even if somebody else is singing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, de- they definitely the drums. have that style or play the drums. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Discussion, discussion for later tonight. Yes, right. Right. We're, sure. We're gonna get there. <laughs> We're gonna get into that. Yeah. And Kevin Moore on keys, superior to everything that followed. And Wonderful. I know, I know yeah. he only Wonderful. did three records, but he knows how to be a keyboardist in this type of band. Yeah, but that's my favorite era of Dream Theater. Honestly, the early like, years. Those first, those first few records, man. Like, because, like, to me. That's the definitive sound of the band, which I do, controversial statement, think that they did return to later on, but... They had a moment. uh, Yeah, I mean, not that I was, like, super happy that the last record was two and a half fucking hours long, but, um... (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) It's like I'm cramming this in a week. Like, we were talking about... We were talking about Dream Theater for a while, and I'm, like, I'm very familiar with, like almost everything all the way up until about like 2013 but then i had to like familiarize myself afterwards and i was like right. oh shit i gotta listen to this for two fucking hours <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah it's, it's definitely not something you could just listen to a few songs it's, no no and you gotta have and, like the lyrics pulled up you know <laughs> like yep. it's a it's yep. a process man yeah yeah that's yeah I, i'm not a lyric guy if you if you listen to the podcast i I'm all about the the feel. You are now entering Jeff's atmosphere. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's because that's my favorite fucking word when I'm talking about bands, man. The atmosphere is so important to me. I don't give a shit about lyrics. I just want to close my eyes and, and relax <laughs> and, and and just totally, you know, dissolve into the song. I don't want to have to think. If I want to yeah, think, I, you know, if I want to think, you know, I'll I'll learn about thermal dynamics. <laughs> right, which no, I, I, I might I, know I a little agree bit about. Completely. <laughs> yeah, Dan. Right. Dan is like the total opposite. Like he is so analytical. I, I'm gonna talk shit because he just went to go take a piss. <laughs> <laughs> He's so fucking analytical, and, and it like I'm like, dude, like, can you even relax while listening to music, or you just gotta like think about everything all the time? And he's, 
And because we're total, I mean, and that's part of the reason why we're doing the podcast. We're total opposites on how we uh, we listen to music. He's the the ultimate, you know, consummate analytical listener, and I'm the dude. I'm like, dude, just you know, if, if it was legal in the state of Missouri, let me get high Whoa. and uh, <laughs> and listen to some music and just totally veg out. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm a guitar guy myself, so the only time I really notice lyrics is if they're obviously shitty. Other than that, I'm I'm always into the guitar, which is weird being a singer, but I just I I pay attention to guitar more than anything else. So well, you, you just you just got a fan in Joe because he is a guitar junkie. I was about to say, speaking of guitar guys, if nobody stops me, we're going over to Images and Words. Works oh, for me. It works for me as well. Metropolis. Works for me too. I've got another beer. I'm good to go. All right. So <laughs> 1991. Dude, is that a Pabst Tall Boy? Excuse me. Yeah, it's a Pabst Tall Boy. Nice. Uh oh, we got hipster beer on the show. <laughs> oh, dude, you have no idea how far down the rabbit hole goes. <laughs> we were we were just on the lu- the drunken lullabies podcast. <laughs> so, I was saving oh, it for I later, see, yeah. but tell me all about it. Oh, oh, dude, no, no, great. we'll talk about it later. Let's talk about Dream Theater. All right, they're <laughs> our shit tonight. Come on, yeah, they are. 1992 images and words. Thank you, God. Yes, this is a great fucking album, man. Dude, I mean, I mean, and what most people would call Dream Theater's debut. <laughs> right? Because yeah. like, cool. it's the first one with James, I, can str- I guess. I can stream it on Spotify or whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's they it, the first one on a major label. It was it was actually accessible in record stores outside of Long Island, New York. Right. And I, you know, which I was think, weird because they were part of uh, MCA, weren't they? Which is a that's a bigger label. That's weird. Yeah. I, I know it's weird that, that it happened that way. Yeah, Mecha- yeah, Mechanic was the label for for when Dream and Day Unite. Yeah, but um, I thought I thought Mechanic it, it was, was part of MCA. It, they, they they were like a subsidiary type of thing. Yeah. Okay. So, but it just never had the distro. I mean, I th- I think one of the things that gets overlooked with Images and Words is the fact that the disaster that was you know their label situation with Mechanic actually was really the catalyst for. Uh, images and words being as good as it was because they went a year and a half without a label, without a singer, and they just had time to just sit on this material. And it was really like writing a first record all over again because, you know, when you're in a band, I mean, you know, you, you have all this time to write your first album. If you get signed, then it's like, okay, you've got two weeks to do your second record. And you're like, ah, crap. And but with this one, they almost had a, a second shot at the first record because they had so much downtime, and I think that's why the record's so good. And it was almost like you know a shot at redemption, almost. Even though uh, when Dreaming Day and Night was good, it was still you know they got a second chance to introduce themselves to people and make a record, and I think that gets overlooked a lot of the time. Yeah, it's it's funny you mention that because we we've talked about that quite a bit on how much time it takes you know you have forever to make your first album and, and then after that it's just like hurry up and you're in fast forward and you got to do whatever the hell the label and the producer's telling you to do yep I'd, I'd like to congratulate john drake for presenting dan's point oh yes <laughs> well this is um <laughs> this is uh well yeah i mean that's that's one of the things that um that i love about this record too is that like yeah sure you know, this this was still a progression, and I thought that was interesting because I almost feel like on the first record there was a little bit of like kind of a holding back. This record really delivered in all the ways that you would want a heavy metal 
progressive band to deliver in. I feel like this record is more complex. The the hooks are there, and that's that's one of the things I love about early Dream Theater is the actual hooks on the songs. Yeah, that's really good. And you don't, yeah, I agree. you know, because as as time goes on, those hooks kind of disappear. You know, they get they get lost in you know they fifteen minute songs, and you yeah. know. Uh, but but I feel like here it was like literally like the most they were they were literally the most in the pocket that they had most been. succinct yeah. yeah 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 I mean and the the vocals are actually <sighs> the vocals are actually better than they were before <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know. Um, that's hard for me to admit because I again, well, this is whenever James was good. I mean, yeah, I, I, know, I mean, I don't think forward, he's bad now, but no, I, well, I would going, say these are the best vocals done by James Labrie. I don't know if I'd say they're the best in Dream Theater. He, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I know that uh, as time went on, he ended up with some sort of virus that totally fucked up his chords. That yeah, that was in uh, after a break in Cuba on the Awake tour. Yeah, and it took years for him to get back to where he wanted to be and yep. as you're going through the discography i mean you can tell you know he doesn't have the range and he doesn't he can't hit the notes the way that he used to because of that yeah definitely but, but yeah this uh, this is probably uh my my second favorite album uh, and i know for for most people this is probably their first but for me it's my second it's actually my second favorite record also, I would have to say. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm one of the rare ones that also does not have... My, my favorite record is probably going to be a shock to everybody, but... I mean, I, yeah, I think, I think you guys hit on a really good point about, you know, the, 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 uh, the melodies and the hooks and all that stuff. It, it's like they, they took the best parts of the first record and really tightened up on them. And that's... It, it was... It just everything on this album, like the first time I heard it, it was just so dynamic, and the themes were so present. Like there was just every song, you just knew. Like you guys, you guys used the perfect word. The hooks, they were so strong, and you know the way they really kind of developed what would become a trademark for them. Even though the songs were long, they would establish a motif, and like you'd have this kind of melody, you know, like you say, the hook, and it would go away from it to noodle and do this other stuff but then all of a sudden they come back to it so it's like it kind of anchored you within that song and i always thought that was really cool so so does that mean that metropolis part one is your standout cut john uh i i would have to say i would have to say yes uh it's 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 either that or uh learning to live for me yeah metropolis part one is definitely my favorite as well and it's weird too because like i mean it's not weird but like it's almost like they did approach this almost as a debut record because I mean they're not stupid they know nobody fucking heard the first one you know yeah but they didn't care as much and no. I thought that I thought that was really great because they're still putting their best foot forward here you know I mean a lot of bands you know will live off of the past success that they've had but like with a band like Dream Theater as as as, as phenomenal as they are now and as respected as they are now back then they're still trying to make an impact, and the, yeah. and this record this record definitely like encapsulates that. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, with "Pull Me Under" becoming the hit that it was, it was just very ironic because it ended up. I mean, it, it it's what launched them, but it's also what screwed them. So it was a really ironic song in that respect because oh, yeah. the label was just crushing them for another hit single for. You know the next two records and until they basically told them well fuck off you know we're doing it our way or you're getting nothing so 
Can you get hit singles out of a band like Dream Theater? Really? Well, that's where I, I, yeah. I, re- I respect them a ton. The fact that they did tell the label, fuck you, this is how we're going to do it. Either you you keep us or you don't, but this is, you know, this is our band. We're going to do it how we want to do it. There's so many bands out there that, that bend and break to the pressure of a record label trying to impose, you know, a, you know, a quote unquote, you know, hit producer on them to make them, you know, radio friendly. I mean, that's not who Dreams Theater's audience is. I mean, it's, no. it's, it's all of us nerds that fucking love this shit that that's who buys their records. So, I mean, why don't you cater to your audience? You know, there's so many, there's so many record producers and record labels out there that are just so nearsighted. They just don't get it. And I'm, I'm glad that they, that they, through all these decades, they've stayed strong and, and, and stayed to their, you know, stayed true to themselves because there's so many bands that don't. Oh, yep. They definitely weren't able to do it at first without a lot of argument. I am trying to remember the name of the studio that recorded this. Was it Bear Claw? Bear, Bear uh, Tracks. Yeah. Or Bear Tracks. Bear Tracks. Yeah, they recorded a bunch of stuff at Bear Tracks. And it, it kind of made me laugh because, you know, finding th- this music later, you, you, you pick up on the little things that the band says. Like everybody asked Portnoy, like, why is your snare drum triggered? It's like, well, that was their thing. You know, why does the drums and guitar sound this way? Well, it was their thing. I know that they made a lot of good music. And this might be the most commercial record that they had. It definitely was their debut to the masses, and it was probably James Labrie's best performance. So you've got a band that... They're not progressive by name. They're just a rock band they're a metal band and they just happen to be the best musicians at the gig yep totally and i mean the other thing is like they had such a hard time making the record because they were battling with the producer constantly so the fact that they did something so legendary and of such high quality while you know every day was just a war with the guy that they were working with is pretty incredible in its own right well i think sometimes that tension sometimes brings about just crazy artistic magic so yeah, you're, I, I you're mean, gonna hear about that a lot on the next one. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, say hello to Kevin Moore and say goodbye to Kevin Moore. Yeah, I said we got to start yeah. moving along. Uh, yeah. 1994, my favorite Dream Theater record. John, say it with me if you know it. Puppies on acid. <laughs> Puppies on acid. Uh, AKA awake. <laughs> it's 6 a.m. Dan, this is all you. What the fuck, Joe? <laughs> this is where it got weird for me. <laughs> um, and not in a bad way. I mean, I, lo- I fucking love weird music, but damn. Like, okay. So at this point, Dream Theater has been sold to me as this, like, holy fucking shit. They are a progressive band. They are pushing metal in a direction that it has not been pushed before. Which was kind of ridiculous in that, like, I was listening to, like, I mean, 94, I mean, I was listening to, like, death metal and, uh, you <laughs> and, know. Yeah, lot, 94, I was listening to a lot of Sunny Day Real Estate. Shut the fuck up, Jeff. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. So, nice. I was listening to, like, death metal and, like, you know, like, early Venom and shit like that. Like, because I'm, I'm Mr. Heavy, right? Like, I listen to, like, really heavy shit. And, um. Thrashy shit. 
thrashy, heavy, deathy metal, you know, a little bit of hardcore and stuff. So, like, I had no idea what to even think about this record because it blew my mind. Like, it's not that it's not that Dream Theater isn't heavy. Like, when they want to go balls to the wall, they can absolutely go balls to the wall. Yeah, they can hang with you anybody know, when they, they want yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it was it was definitely a mixed feeling for me because like you've got like these multi-part songs. Yep. You know, and and I remember just being like at the time I remember being very like against it. Like Oh God! You know, I I'm more of a I'm more of an obituary fan, or you know, yeah, well, I'm wait. more of a death fan, or whatever. But like, I mean, as I've gotten older, I've really started to appreciate this record because it was Dream Theater's first step forward. Because you could you could write off the first two records as kind of your generic power metal, heavy metal stuff, and like I could see why people didn't like it. Because they're like, this sounds like shit that was from the 80s. And this is 1994, so like everybody's trying to be as against that as they can be. Yeah, grunge is yep. totally yeah. in full swing right now. Yeah, so like, I get it. Um, I get why I didn't like it at first. But I totally get why it's become one of my favorite Dream Theater records. Because um, it is heavier uh, than the previous two. And it is... Um, it's just out there in space, dude. Like, again, six o'clock, you know, caught in a yeah, web. dude. Like, voices, just, the silent man. It's hard for me to. It's hard for me to find words. The fucking mirror. And I apologize. Uh, I've been drinking yeah. a bit, but like, it's you know, this um, album is foreshadowing to to, 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 to what you're what gonna it's, get. It's like it's like everything you're gonna get. Like like this is the new norm, kids. So yep. I hope you're on board because this is where we're gonna go. Yeah, this, yeah, I mean, this is a this is a close third for me. It's like it, I have a hard time, you know, on, on where my rankings are. But this is a fantastic album. I mean, just cover to cover. I, I I'm one of those nerds that will sit down and I want to listen to the whole fucking thing. You I are hate, now entering Jeff's atmosphere for the second time. Yep, I hate <laughs> I hate you know fuckers who put their shit on Spotify and hit random. But no lick no lick lyrics. You fuck. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. All right. I talked that shit while you were in the bathroom, man. Tells a great story. <laughs> I don't yeah, care. I, I, I the music tells a great story. I, you know, the, the, if I sat down and listened to the the lyrics, I'd probably be blown away. But the music itself, still, is just out of this world, man. I, I, I love that shit. You know, and I, you know, it's funny that John that you mentioned that you know you're a you're a vocalist and you pay attention to everything else. I am totally a a vocals guy. I like the sound of the voice. I don't pay attention to what they're singing, and, yeah. and, and I, I like everything as a collective whole. I view it at, I, like I'm. Cl- I, I I did a lot of classical music before I got into metal. I played violin, viola, and cello, so that's my background. So I'm I'm, cool. I'm like ultimate nerd when it comes to music. <laughs> right. So that stuff with you know when you go back and you look at you know a lot of that classical music, there's so much emotion and there's so much feeling in it. You know, and that's you know, people just think you know, classical music. Oh, that's so technical. No, it's not. I'm like, it's all about the feel. And this album's got so much feel to it. It's 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 awesome. It's also really fucking heavy for '94. Yeah, I, can but I throw I, that out I, there? Like, it I is love the heavy. heaviest Dream Theater has been to this point. Yeah, to this like, point. Yeah, I actually think it's also one of their most, if not their most diverse record. 
because you go from stuff like you know si- you know 6 a.m but then you've got the mirror but then you got silent man and then you've got lie and then you've got space divest at the end i mean it really is kind of a roller coaster of a bunch of different stuff and it, it's just awesome how it does that and i it's one of the most fascinating things to me and yeah, I, I I will have to admit, whenever we hit the the bottom part of the roller coaster, which is the ballad the kind of stuff, I I want to get off. <laughs> it <laughs> only goes downhill after this. Yeah, that's <laughs> but that's mainly because you know this is a you know our website's discussmetal.com. That should kind of give you a hint on on why yeah. we, why we're m- more uh, into the the metal side of things and less into the ball- ballad side of things. Yeah, I mean, it, I th- I th- it doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that it's it wasn't specifically for us. Yeah, I mean, I I like all of it. I mean, and and you know, in saying so, I really think that one thing about this record is that I think this record kind of actually established their fan base because with images and words, you had people that bought that record because of Pull Me Under. And Absolutely, yeah. And then with this one. If you stuck around after Awake, you were a Dream Theater fan. If you were like, eh, fuck this, then you were just a, you were a Pull Me Under fan. So this one really kind of weeded out the people who were either fans or just, you know, guys who listened on the radio. And after this, they were, you know, it's kind of like, you know, culling the herd, so to speak, with this record. So. Yeah, this is whenever the nerds started buying all other shit. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, mean, it's the truth. I mean, because that's who stuck. You know, was the people who were complete music nerds and like, this shit is amazing. But before then, it was you know, some people were looking for that for that next single, like we were talking about earlier. It's no longer about that. This is this is serious music for the music. Yeah, they're not a singles band. They're not like gonna. They're not gonna rock your top forty. You know, like although they do in Japan (laughs) and Finland. This is stuff that you know we really don't. This is well. Japan's awesome, but that's you right. know, like this is stuff that like you know you're not you know if your if your favorite song in 1994 is "Come as You Are" by Nirvana, you know you're not gonna fucking care about what Dream Theater's doing. Um, mine yeah. was Seven by Sunny Day Real Estate. Shut the fuck up, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> So he's like Donnie. He's like Donnie from the Big Lebowski. You know, we just have to you know. shut the fuck up, Donnie. You're out of your element, right? <laughs> oh, dude, that is Jeff is headed for a world of pain. Oh, that, that is true. That, that is yeah. so good, man. We're 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 cutting that clip, and we're gonna be playing that so soundbite over and so over is, again. So Jeff's Donnie. Joe's the dude, and I guess that makes me Walter. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nice. <sighs> What am I going to take? What was that shit about Vietnam, Walter? (laughs) Yeah. This has nothing to do with Vietnam, Walter. (laughs) Well, not directly, but... That is a fantastic movie. We'll have to do another episode just based on the on the Big Lebowski. I feel, right, like, this is, down. I feel like this is not the last time we're going to hear from John Drake. <laughs> Dude, you just got us so much hate mail, and we're only 45 minutes in. Hell yes. Yeah, that's all right. I'll take it. Speaking of hate mail, why don't we move on to Falling Into Infinity? Oh, my God. Oh, I was going to talk about the mirror for oh, 20 more minutes. Talk but about hey. the mirror for a second, Joe. You, you earned that. Buddy. No, dude. Th- yeah. this you is, got this, buddy. You earned it. Awake is is Dream Theater, in my opinion, and that's I can stop there. You should listen to the whole record, except for Space Dive Vest, or maybe it was Lie. I can't remember. John, which song was it that Kevin Moore snuck on the record and then quit? 
Uh, that was Space Dive Vest. That's why I skipped the last track. <laughs> they, they, they just played it live for the first time two tours ago. <laughs> really? Really? Damn. Did he yeah, come back was... for a minute or something? No. This is So what it is is... Oh, wait. I, f- I was... forgot. Mike Portnoy is no longer in the band, and he's not holding on to a fucking grudge. Exactly. It was the one song that they swore they would never, ever play live. Once again, and Mike Portnoy so wanted they, you to think that. <laughs> yes. Well, it worked, apparently. But yeah, when they went out and did the um, the tour for the self-titled record, they uh, it was the uh, was it, the, it was the 20th anniversary of Awake, and then it was uh, the 15th anniversary of Metropolis. So they actually did like half. They, they did the second half of the record of Awake, and they did Space Divest. It was the first time they'd ever played it live. So that was kind of cool. I saw that tour in Chicago, and it was it was cool to see it. You know, I, I I'm actually one of the people that actually really digs that tune just because it is so so kind of quirky. It's got a really cr- weird vibe to it, which I've always been into. So. Yeah, you're talking about feel. I think that song has got a really weird feel to it that I always kind of liked. So are you located out of the Chicago area? No, I am. I'm actually in a suburb of Cleveland, but I road trip. Um, I refuse to miss a Dream Theater tour oh, in okay. Chicago. The show, the shows in Chicago, are, it's only like a five and a half hour drive. And the last three tours, they've played on a weekend. Only like a fr- yeah, right. <laughs> well, you know, I. I, I sang in a band in Dayton, Ohio, which is like three hours away for years. And so I would make, you know, a there and back trip in one night of a six hour round trip. So driving is not a big deal for me. So didn't, it doesn't really, doesn't really bother me, but you know, I'm actually going to see them on this tour in Chicago again. So maybe they're going to play new millennium from falling into infinity 1997. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you they what, might. they'll be coming to St. Louis. They'll get their shit stolen. <laughs> Dude, yeah. nobody wants to come Jeff to St. Louis Jeff is a professional. Now. Don't come here. Your shit will get stolen, guy. Yeah. Hey, my band got our stuff stolen last November, so I can feel that pain. We have to deal. Oh, we have to deal with living in St. Louis constantly. It's um, it's been rough as of late. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I wish I could say that it, you know it's all like uh, butterflies and puppy dogs, but it's no, it's not. more like straight up race wars. Yeah, <laughs> you're talking about Cleveland. My actually, my parents lived in Avon for like a decade. My they, my they, wife's aunt lives there. Okay, yeah, they just they just moved here a few years ago after they retired. Very cool. Yeah, that's I've been here my whole life. So, but like I said, I road trip a lot to see bands and stuff. Van Halen, Dream Theater. You know, I'm sorry, there's, there's there's not a whole lot of hockey in Cleveland. So, dude, don't bother coming <laughs> to St. Louis because nobody comes to St. Louis. <laughs> one like, of my one of my one of my good buddies is from there, and he says the same thing. <laughs> dude, it's just it's shitty. Like, I mean. I hate to bring this up on every single podcast, but like St. Louis is like the worst town for metal that could exist. And I don't even care what kind of metal you play. You could play modern metal. You could play old school metal. You could play like 80s metal. It doesn't matter. Nobody gives a fuck. Like yeah, we're it's stuck all in, about it's all, it's about, all about rap. It's all about rap. Or breaking Benjamin. The breaking urge, Benjamin. The urge. Yeah. Offspring. Tool, yeah. Like all that shit. Like every like our everything our, that was late nineties, early two thousands. We're literally stuck in time. Yeah. Like our our most like modern station. Still regularly play shit like Tool and Temple of the Dog and like it's well, that's, just it's good stuff. You just wish that they good. would play yeah, it's some good. of the other stuff because I've been yeah. bred my whole life to believe that it's good, but like <laughs> it's uh it's frustrating. Temple of the Dog you is know, fucking awesome. If you're man. a new band in St. Louis, I am so sorry. 
Yeah, see, I mean, if you're into metal, at least on a local level, Cleveland's where to go because that's all there is. Oh, my God. That's awesome. You go out. Oh, I'm so it's, jealous. No, no, don't be jealous. Please don't don't be jealous. It's it's nothing but horrible Cookie Monster garbage. Oh, and but that, see, I mean, oh. that's us. <laughs> we love that shit. Dan likes Cookie Monster. I do love Cookie Monster vocals. But you like the good stuff. I'm talking oh. crap. Oh, you don't oh. know, man. I'm the guy. I'm the guy that said the death was better than Pantera. So. Well, it's, you know, because hey, like I, you think I, you're the I, most I mean, hated man in podcasting. <laughs> I'm yeah. the, I'm the guy that said the Dimebag Daryl wasn't that original. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's that's okay, man. Everybody's entitled to a wrong opinion every now and then. So <laughs> yeah, it's all good, and I'm sure it's wrong. But what are you gonna do? Yeah, right. So. Just yeah, so, let me so, breathe. Uh, falling, falling into infinity, as I as I was saying earlier, my favorite record may surprise some people, and we're at it. No kidding! So, wow, I'm definitely surprised. I am surprised yeah. as well. I think the reason for me is that it's the most loose of their records, and it's it's the only one that really has kind of like a more open jam kind of a feel it just has a little bit of a different vibe from anything else they did and I, I i really get into it so i mean it's also got trial uh trial of tears which is one of my all-time favorite dream theater tunes um i just i just really like the feel of it the production i i've always thought was was pretty cool i i've really dug it and i absolutely love derek sherinian's keyboard playing i think uh he's you know i i love kevin moore and i i think derek sherinian at least did justice to I, I would say the way that Kevin Moore what Kevin Moore brought to the band and by that I mean it, it the first few records if you listen to them and I, I'm not very musical I'm an idiot because I'm a singer but it, it, it seemed to be more upbeat like major key sounding stuff and I think when Jordan Rudis came in it kind of got a little darker and, and I like the stuff that's a little more in that lighter category and Derek Sherinian and Kevin Moore both had that this is definitely before they started being up their own ass. They're on the yeah. way to being up their own ass, but this is still kind of, well, we're going to try something a little bit different. A little bit more of the jam is going to come out in the final product. Because yeah. before this, it was less about jamming and more about orchestration. And I think this is where we kind of just started hanging out in the deep end a little bit. Like, well, it's okay to sneak the jam in, which... And this is where Mike Portnoy starts to show off how good he is or isn't, depending on how you look at it. I mean, you have right. this giant drum kit, and I can only hear six pieces on the album, so come on, dude. It's all yeah. about looks, and I'm cool with it. Don't get me wrong. Mike Portnoy is amazing as a player. But this is where they start kind of being up their own ass, because I listen to this, and it sounds very, very similar to Liquid Tension Experiment. Yeah, well, I mean, it, and they were doing that at the same time. I mean, the, the, the first liquid tension experiment was 98, you know, falling into infinity was 97. So they were just kind of in that headspace. Right. So, you know, but I mean, you know, it, I mean, one of my all time favorite things they ever did is on this record and it's short, but Hell's Kitchen to me is one of the coolest musical things they ever did. I just, something about that is so catchy to me. So it's, it's, you know, it stands out to me right there in the middle and it was, and James I mean, isn't a, singing. Yeah, there you go. So if you don't <laughs> like James, this is this is for you. But I, it's it's funny because Hell's Kitchen was supposed to be the middle part of uh, Burning My Soul, 
but they decided you know the, the labels like oh this is too long oh, you know, we, i didn't we, know we that singles yeah it was the, it was the middle part of burning my soul and they took it out and made it its own piece because the label didn't want some gigantic like 12 13 minute monster so they had to make it something separate and here i was giving them kudos for not kowtowing <laughs> <laughs> oh they they kowtowed like crazy they actually um uh you not me was written with desmond child oh wow that i did not know yep and mr generic well (laughs) you know they were the the label was all over them for these hits they actually had to go back to the label about i think it was three times with different batches of songs because they sent them the first batch and the label went no no give us more so they had to go write more and then the label went "Mm, no and they had to go back a third time and then finally, the label's like, "Well, we can't wait anymore." So just yeah, go go ahead and start recording. Did the, did and, the label not realize what band they signed? Yeah, they, I mean, they honestly, like that, that's why they have the video for Hollow Years because they were trying to recreate that and get on the ballad train and you know get it on MTV, but it was almost never played and it was just boring. Yeah, but, yeah. This, the ballad train is like the worst train to be on, right? I mean, that being said, I love Hollow Years. Don't get me wrong. That's a great song. But, you know, this this record was just it was the record that almost broke the band up. But it's why you it's not why you buy a Dream Theater record. No, not not it might at all. be a good song. But like, you know, total douchebag can write good songs every now and again. <laughs> this was you also know? the debut of the <laughs> Kid Rock. This is also the debut of <laughs> the you. Mike Portnoy kick drum. That's yes. very triggered, slight little bit of reverb. Yeah. It never went away after this, and I get it. You're Mike Portnoy. You want a signature sound. The only <laughs> drummer that has a signature kick that sounds good is Lars Ulrich. Oh, fuck you. I said that has a signature kick. Oh, my God. Shut a the shitty f- kick? Jesus yeah, I was going to say, by Joe. signature, do you mean like played absolutely horribly? Ah! You can say it however you want. It sounds good. This kick sounds flat sound, and mediocre. I don't uh, it like it. It sounds like a thing that exists. Uh, it does exist. That is literally the best way I can describe it. <laughs> it sounds like a thing right. that exists in the world that we exist in. Right. <sighs> well, it's almost like if the band was going to break up, they might as well just be up their own butt because this is where it started. <laughs> this is. It, it this did. is. Oh, you're talking shit on his favorite. This is album, the beginning Joe. of. <laughs> this is the beginning, and again, it's the beginning, so it's not terrible on its own. But this is the beginning of Dream Theater being completely up their own anal cavity. <laughs> yeah, like I, I could see that. I. You know, like I say, to me, this one sounds different than anything they did. It was sure. definitely a little different from, you know, from Images and Words and When Dreamy Day Night, the first three. And then nothing after it sounded like this either. It just wasn't. This was the one album that wasn't overly precise and whatnot. And you can hear the their desire to try and write another hit single because there's so many, you know, the songs are a little shorter. They're, they're a little more stock in terms of the arrangement in some places. Um, and, you know, the, some of the best stuff from the record never made it on there because the label, label, you know, stuff like Raise the Knife was a really cool song, but didn't make the record. And, um, you know, so it was, like I said, it was very different. And I know I'm almost universally alone in saying it's my favorite record, but it's all right, man. Some, something about it I just love, you know? It is no, a great like they were trying new things, you know. I think, I think there was a sense of like, you know, this primordial like, 
you know, we're going to try to reach out and do something different here that's not going to be expected. But again, you, you've got the label that's like, no, fuck you. We need, you know, a three and a half minute single. And like, that's just not this band. And, no. and you can't expect you can't expect that type of radio perfection from a band like Dream Theater, especially at this point. I mean, like they're not out to please anybody other than themselves or or other musicians that may happen to be fans of the band. And so I think this was a tough record for them because they had to kind of overcome that. Like, OK, from here on out, we don't give a shit about public opinion. Yeah, we're just I mean, doing what oh, we want to do. Mean we're going to segue. <laughs> this is also Could when be. their main fan base was in Japan, where musicianship is far because Japan more is appreciated. Awesome. Japan, yes. Japan is the Dan shit. Dan knocks my phone out of my hand. Yeah, well, you deserved it. You, <laughs> you piece of shit. Well, I see where he's going with this. So I'm a, I'm a little drunk. So let's teleport to 1999. <laughs> oh, concept albums, my favorite. Oh yeah. Love it. Oh my god, this is my favorite album. All right, let me let me introduce this properly. You are now entering Jeffrey's atmosphere. <laughs> oh dude. <laughs> shit. Dude, this is when you finally finally get to out listen to an album as like it was one massive track. Uh, I know most people can't stand that shit. But is that your is that your love of Sunday real estate coming out or no? That's my love of Swallow the Sun coming back. Since we were talking, I don't about want to talk about Swallow the Sun anymore. Well, oh, of, dude. of the records that Dream Theater has done that are just one track, this would be the best one. <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean, fair enough. This is like I said, this was my live introduction to the band, and uh, I, I still remember. Uh, when it came out, we had a, a local, our local uh, rock station on Sunday nights had a show called The Metal Show. It's actually how I met Chris Aiken, and uh, he and I have been friends for years. So when this came out in 99, Aiken and his co-host Warlock, uh, my other buddy Matt Wardlaw, they played on the show this entire record, and they, they had announced in advance a few weeks, oh, we're going to play the whole Dream Theater record. Man, and I'll never forget sitting there listening to this at my girlfriend's house and just completely nerding out like, this is like damn near perfection. It's so goddamn good. Yeah, it. this is fan-fucking-tastic. There's no other way to put it. For this being their first, you know, true attempt at a concept album, I mean, they, they hit a grand slam. I mean, this thing is is great. I mean, I, I know that that's probably the generic, you know, this is my favorite album statement, but it, it is my favorite album. I mean, it, it doesn't have my favorite song on it. Actually, we haven't even talked about my favorite song yet, which might be surprised to some, but yeah, this, dude, this album is just cover to cover. It's, it's what you want. It is fantastic. Mm. Two more records until Mike Portnoy gets his signature snare. I'll wait until then to bitch about the drums. <laughs> right. Was this the point where Mike Portnoy was like, yeah, this is my band? I'm taking over. It really was him and Petrucci. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was literally like, this is just our thing. All the they other actually guys, said that. Yeah, yeah which I, is cool I, with me. I believe like, it. Him and Petrucci together, man. I mean, they're, they're the main cogs, in my opinion. When uh, Portnoy leaves... My interest wanes a little bit. I, I'm not gonna lie. Oh, we, that'll be, we will talk about Mr. Man discussion for we're later. Not there, yeah. We're not there yet. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm just saying. Yeah. Since it's it's coming up, I'm gonna drink some more beer. Just wait up. 
Yeah. Okay. I can, <laughs> right? drink, I can drink beer, yeah. just not as good as Dan can. <laughs> nice. I don't know about good. Yeah, no, they, they, actually, <laughs> they actually said that they had band meetings before they started this album where, where Petrucci and Portnoy told the other guys, like, look, we're, we're taking charge. Like, this is our thing. And because before they would just argue and bitch for two weeks about, you know, literally two notes. And finally, you know, they did all the work anyway and everybody knew it. So they just said, look, we're going to we're going to make the decisions. and You guys go along for the ride. And they went, OK, so no, no pun intended there along for the ride. But, um, you know, but and, and it, it really this was the first time they did that. And I think it was. Man, the results were awesome. I mean, it's I don't know I don't know how you guys feel, but to me, for like hard rock and heavy metal, at least for me, like the benchmark concept record is Operation Mindcrime, and I think this is completely on par with that, at least for me. Really, unfortunately for me, the the standard when it comes to concept record will always be Colors by Between the Bear to me, because I'm waiting for that one to be beat, and right. that's actually the prime reason why. We talk about Dream Theater being up their own ass. You know, Colors was a great, great record. Prior to that, we got records that had maybe a concept, but really were still a collection of songs. Once we start being completely up our own ass and everything is a concept record, you can't make this again. Yeah. And after this... You know, you had six degrees of inner turbulence, which the first half of that is songs, and the second half is we're up our own ass. Straight masturbation after that. Straight up octavarium, same <laughs> thing. At the same time, I can't say that like I didn't enjoy it. Oh yeah. I mean, who doesn't love masturbation? Right. I mean, like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get too controversial here. But yeah. here. What's, what's <laughs> one of who doesn't enjoy to masturbate a bit? But yeah, like it's. Uh, it's one of those things where, like, you know, and I, I bring this quote up a lot on our show is, <sighs> like Ian Malcolm said in Jurassic Park, you spend so much time focusing on whether or not you could, you never thought about whether, whether or not you, you should. should. Yeah. Whether you should, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and that that's how I feel about Dream Theater from this point on in their career. Oh, I don't know about that, but yeah, this is totally, they could and they should. And they did. Yeah. And thank God they did. Oh, this well, one needed yeah, to happen. I, I get that Jeff likes to masturbate. I get that. But like, dude, <laughs> I I think I could. I think I. Uh, I'm in competition with uh, with Jay from uh, Jay and Silent Bob on who masturbates the most. Oh, it's definitely you, dude. <laughs> I. You, you don't have to. That's not a big reveal. We all we <laughs> all knew that. And apparently, I think about <laughs> when I do it in this. Oh, oh my god like, Dude we can't fucking air this episode now Oh my god oh, Trust me I've already time stamped it Oh my god I'm sure he did because I'm such an ass That is fucked up Jeff You're wrong and you're going to hell That's well, what my, you guys, that's what you my guys pastor new, said I'm not that much I, I haven't done that much more podcasting than you I know you're new But just so you're aware there are other ways to get on people's podcasts Than telling them you masturbate to them oh, You tell that to Jeff options. man He's Well here uh, let me try this then Hey, John, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. Can I be on your podcast? Of course you can. I was going to invite you anyway. Sweet. <laughs> Why is it always Jeff? Is it because he's the easiest one out of all of us? Dude, I, because I, he's not drunk yet. No, I, I'm. <laughs> doesn't matter if I'm drunk I'm not, or not fucking drunk. It doesn't matter if I'm drunk or not. I'm always the easiest. 
Yeah. Ooh. Anybody could anybody could be on our show. Just like if you want to crap on the prequels, that's fine, but you're going to be in for a hell of a battle. So oh, oh, you think so, bro? Uh, it's oh a, yeah, it's a oh, fucking yeah. day. Hey, hey, do you talk about books too? I'm a huge Christy Golden fan, so sure we can talk about <laughs> we can talk about books that Disney has decided is it's no longer in continuity. Oh, dude, if you want if you want to debate the prequels, I'm down. We can debate them all you want, man. I love the prequels, and I will go to war anytime in their defense. That's that's my role. I got I got to warn you, I'm a heavy Plinkett fan. Oh, that. Oh my god. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That is the worst trash. Oh, okay. 